I'm going to tell you a story and I need you to listen to it because it's going to result in you needing to make some decisions uh, and, and deciding the outcome of what's going to happen in this particular story. I'm losing stuff everywhere already. Just in the Pacific Ocean, uh, near the Samoa, uh, every night would go a pearl diver. He'd get in his boat, he'd go out, it'd be about 10, 11 o'clock at night, and uh, he would uh, get, find a nice spot, turn on his light, put on all his gear, he'd go into the water, and he'd swim down to the bottom to find the pearls. This particular night, as he's going down, switches on his light, and instantly he thinks there's not a lot of activity around me. Goes further down, he's thinking there's no fish at all. Something in his mind begins to register, and he's thinking, gosh, there should be fish. Goes further down, it's getting dark now, he can hardly see beyond his hand. He gets to the bottom, and he's acutely aware he's not seen any fish at all. As he's looking now for pearls, he's looking around, hardly able to see, and suddenly, bang! He feels the most excruciating pain, and he knows without any doubt at all he's just been bitten by a shark. He is now bleeding, and he's in pain. He has a choice. This is your choice. You get to decide what happens. He can either swim straight up to the surface, but the thing is, he's gone deeper than 50 meters. If he goes straight up to the surface, he's going to get what? what? What's it called? Does anyone know? It's called the bends, that's right. And so the bends are when you get these bubbles in your blood system and it hurts like crazy and can actually kill you. Or he can go up slowly, but it's going to take time. He's bleeding, there's blood in the water, he's just been bitten by a shark, it's going to come back for more potentially. What would you do? If you would go up straight to the surface, you're going to have to make a decision here, but if you would go up straight to the surface, you need to go to this side of the room. If you would go up slowly to avoid getting the bends, you need to go up to this side of the room. You need to make that decision, you need to make it right now. This side is to go straight up to the surface. This side is to go up slowly and avoid the bends. Great, and you guys are doing, you shark food, what are you? What, 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 where are you? You're not sure? All right, great, so you decided to go up slowly. You went straight away. Let me tell you what he did that night. He went up slowly. Now hold on. When he got to the top, he looked around and his boat had drifted some distance. It wasn't where it's supposed to be. He is absolutely exhausted. He's bleeding a lot and he's got another decision to make. He can either swim to his boat real fast like this across the surface, but every time he puts his hand on the surface of the water, it will make a noise which will attract any predators to him instantly. Or he can go under the surface and he can swim slowly, not making any noise, but he's tired and he's bleeding. What would you do if you would go under the water? You need to go to this side of the room. If you would go over the water, banging away, you would need to go to this side of the room. Your decision, your choice, you need to make it now. Great. Okay, so this room is, this side is uh, those of you going under the water slowly. Is that correct? Yes, and this side is fast and get there as soon as you can. Well, that night he made the decision to go as fast as he could. All right, you can take your seats. Thank you for accommodating me with that story. Every day you make decisions. Some of your decisions are small. Some of your decisions are massive. 
Every day you're faced with all sorts of decisions. A small decision at the weekend is what time am I going to get out of bed? Should I even bother brushing my teeth at the weekend? What will I have for breakfast? What clothes will I wear? Your big decisions are, will I go to university? What am I going to do with my life? How am I going to make my millions? Who am I going to marry? How do I determine who I'm going to marry? Life is full of decisions. All decisions, nearly all decisions, have consequences for good or for bad. There's usually a consequence attached and associated to that. I used to live in Cyprus with my family, uh, and I worked for Youth for Christ in the Middle East, North Africa. My role was a director of training, and I would work with the persecuted church, those who were suffering for their faith as Christians. And I also sat on a committee called Middle East Concern, which was an advocacy committee, and it worked with governments around the world. So when prime ministers or presidents or kings or queens went into countries, we would be working with them saying, listen, when you get private time, please talk to them about this particular Christian who's been persecuted for their faith. And I remember getting an email. It was an email from a 16-year-old boy. And it was about the fact he'd just become a Christian. He'd moved from Islam to Christianity. He'd gone home, and he was so excited about his faith. He's told his parents, said, I've just become a Christian, and I want to go to church. His parents were absolutely and utterly appalled. And they said, you cannot do that. You are a Muslim. You cannot go to church. He said, I am. I'm a Christian now. I want to go to church. So they locked him in his room, and they wouldn't let him out until he renounced his faith and said that he would go back to the mosque, and he would live as a Muslim. Muslim. He said, I'm not doing that. I refuse to do that. And so they then said, okay, we're not going to give you any food. So they didn't give him any food and he started to starve. And he said, I don't care. I made a decision to follow Jesus and I am not going to retract that decision. And they were exasperated by their son, 16 years of age. So they do the only thing they can do when they're exasperated and they call in the religious police. The religious police walk straight into his bedroom. They don't say a word to him. They simply grab his hand, they pull out a knife, they rip off his first fingernail. Then they rip off his second fingernail. And they're going for his third fingernail when he screams out and he says, okay, okay, I'll stop going to church. They throw him a bandage and they leave the room. His email finished to me by saying, they can stop me from going to church, but they can't stop me from believing in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. That guy had a decision to make. His decision was to follow Jesus at any and all costs. And I worked with all sorts of Christians who had been tortured for their faith with scars all over their backs of loved ones that they'd lost for the sake of the gospel. You here, many of you here have made a decision to follow Jesus. And my question is, what is the outworking of that? Can the world around see Jesus in you? Because the reality is, you're not going to be tortured for your faith. You're not going to get a jail for your faith. But can the world see Jesus in and through you? Does he make an impact on your life? Are you serious about your faith? When I was 18 years of age, I went to sports college. It was a, you could only get in if you were at national level. My sport was martial arts. I was number three in the country at sports karate. And... I was with other very gifted professional athletes who were at the top of their game, but they lived raw lives. And they would come in every day bragging about who they'd slept with the night before, how drunk they'd got, what drugs they'd taken. They'd laugh about other people behind their backs and just tell terrible jokes about them. It was a raw place to be. 
And one day, our lecturer said, listen, I want you to speak, each of you, to give a lecture on a sports industry, sorry, a leisure industry here in the UK. And he made a mistake, because what he really meant was, I want you each to talk about your own leisure backgrounds. But that is not what he said. He said, I want you to speak about the leisure industry, a leisure industry here in Britain. The first person got up was a tennis player. He talked about the tennis industry. The second guy was a 100-meter sprinter. He talked about athletics. My turn came. I should have got up and spoke about martial arts but that is not the mandate he gave he said the leisure industry so I got up and I said I want to tell you about a leisure industry that probably none of you know about it's called church every week about seven percent of this country go to church let me tell you what happens in church there's worship and there's usually some prayers and then someone gets up and gives a sermon let me give you a sample sermon so I preached my heart out to the entire class after I finished it was as if I had done the loudest, the most eggiest fart you can imagine. The impact it had was diabolical. Nobody wanted to talk to me at all. All heads were down. I became a social leper there and then. I said, you know what, God? I'm never going to preach again in my life because it's rubbish. It doesn't work. What's the point? But here's what I am going to do. I'm going to live for you. Every day I'm going to pray. Every day I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to belong to an accountability group. I'm going to live as a follower of Jesus. But that is it. I'm not doing anything else for you. Certainly not speaking again. And that is what I did. At the end of my time at college, I'm walking down the corridor. There's a group of my classmates all in a circle. And as I'm walking past them, they stop and say, hey, Neil, we were just talking about you. Now, I don't know how you feel when someone says they've just been talking about you, but it got my attention. So I said, okay, what were you talking about? Well, we were talking about the fact you're different. Now, I don't know what the word different means to you, but different to me is a negative word. So if you give me food which tastes absolutely disgusting, as if the dogs just vomited on it, I will say, that was different, wasn't it? Which really means that was horrendous. Please don't ever serve me that again. So I said, what do you mean by different? And they said, well, you're different. You see, you never come in drunk with a hangover. You never seem to be talking about the drugs you're taking. I wasn't taking any drugs. You never brag about who you're sleeping with. I wasn't sleeping with anyone. You never tell dirty jokes. You never laugh about other people. You never talk behind their backs. There was a long list of nevers, and I couldn't work out if the nevers were a negative thing or a positive thing. So I said, okay. And they said, yeah, you're different, but we like you. But what is it that makes you different? See, I'd preached my heart out to them. And no one listened to a word that I had to say. I lived as a follower of Jesus, and everyone wanted to know what it was that made me different. You were called to be the light of this world. That's what Jesus says. You are the light of the world, but don't put a bucket over your light. You need to shine, and the world needs to see Jesus in and through you. I've got a video clip here. It's from the Avengers. It's the first version of the Hulk. I don't know if you've seen this one. Uh, they made another version, but um, we're just going to watch a tiny little clip if, if we can. Brilliant. So uh, what you have there, as you know, is the Hulk, David Banner. When he gets upset, don't ever make me angry because when he gets angry, this green thing comes out of him. He becomes unbelievably aggressive and destroys anything in his path. He's a complete and utter psychopath, to be honest. Now, hold that thought. Uh, I, I need two volunteers, but before you volunteer, let me tell you about what's about to happen. I'm going to ask two people to come up, and I'm going to read uh, a, a Bible verse that you will know extremely well, uh, or should, uh, but I'm just going to only read 80%, and you have to finish it. And if you finish it, you get a cabbage cream egg. 
straightforward. That's a, a good thing, right? If you don't finish it, you get a face full of whipped cream. Uh, so so uh, it's, you, you just need to know your Bible, right? So um, there's consequences, uh, good and bad. So who's willing to go for this? Anyone? All right, coming up. Yeah, great. And uh, uh, yeah, whoever. Okay, yeah, coming up. Great. I'm not sure if you how your glasses are gonna uh, go here, but we'll we'll go for it anyway. Great. So, uh, what what's your name? Kieran. Kieran, and I'm guessing this is Hannah. Hannah, great. Right, right, right. So, Kieran, you're gonna go first. So, Hannah, you get to hold this. That's the, that's the deal. Great. And uh, just to show that I really do have the eggs here, they are. Uh, 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 let me just, Andy, if you can just open them for me, that'd be great. So, uh, Kieran, right, here we go. So all you have to do is finish this verse. Dead easy, right? Great. Uh, the verse is, here I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here is, yeah, I mean, that's logical, isn't it? So I will come in and we will share a meal together. Do you feel like you answered that correctly? Oh, yeah. Kieran, sorry. Go, go ahead. Well, do it anyway. Great, 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 great. Thank you. Uh, there you go. Have that. You'll need that. Great. And uh, can you just fill this up for me? That's brilliant. All right, Hannah. Here is uh, your verse. So, Hannah, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross. Correct, Hannah. Very good. Great. What do you mean, how is she going to get away with that? That was perfect. That's exactly the answer. Right, back to you, buddy. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'll give you an easy one. All right, you ready? John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and... Correct over there. Well done. (laughs) I'm going to get you up in a minute. Okay. All right. Yeah, take an egg. Here we go. Uh, Um... All right, Hannah, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will, when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will, speak all, speak different languages, correct later on, that's correct, but the actual answer is you will receive power, so that is a clear smack in the face, are you ready? The message here goes, oh, nasty, nasty. All right, great. Uh, last one for you here, Kieran. Are you ready? How are you feeling? You got another egg coming your way. Matthew 28, 19 says, go into all the world and... Go into all the world and... You are right. Where did that, where did that come from? you did get it right yeah now I have another verse but I can't find it I've lost it down here but no no you're fine is this it here no all right Uh, what is it I can't I can't actually remember it is it here 
It's, no, I don't know where it is. Hannah, Jesus said, cast all your burdens onto me and I will give you, cast all your burdens onto me and I will give you. Rest? Yes. Peace and rest, are they the same? Let's do a quick vote on this. Is, if you think peace is the same as rest, just put up your hand. Okay, so uh, the answer there is no. And here you go, one last time. He said very nicely, and oh, she did say not on my clothes, and clearly, how about we give a massive round of applause to Hannah and Kieran, and why don't you just take uh, uh, another egg with you, just for being such a great sport, but leave me one, that'd be great, thank you. Great, what a mess, uh, 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 there is a mat down here, so fear not, great, but you can, you can, uh, Oh, yeah, your shoes are covered in... Oh, now your socks are covered in... Oh, 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 oh. It's just getting... Just great, great, thank you. I, I should just leave... You can, yeah, thank you. Great. Now, how do I recover from any... Uh, you, can, you can... Okay, great, thanks. Brilliant, thank you, guys. So... Verses there, I stand at the door and knock. He who hears my voice opens that door. I will come in and eat with them. I will come and make my home in them. When you become a Christian, Jesus says he will come and live in you. There is no green monsters living in you. There is Jesus who is alive in you and brings freedom. He says, though, that there is a cost to following me, and that cost requires that you pick up a cross and follow me. But he also says, there is burdens that you carry, but I will give you rest. He says, I've come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. He says, I've come to give you power. And then he said, I will make you my disciples. But what does he mean by disciples? And this is key. The word disciple, when translated into English, is most closely related to the word um, to the word apprentice. An apprentice is someone who is learning a trade. So here's the deal. The very first reference to Christians in the book of Acts isn't Christians. It's people of the way. If you want to know what a disciple is, it's simply this. It's someone who is learning the ways of Jesus. But what does that look like? What does that mean? I've got another quick clip for you to watch. It's of a little boy watching Rocky, the movie. And he's seeing what's going on, and he's going through here a workout scene. It's not very clear, but he's watching him, and he's clearly trying to imitate him. Great. Well, if you could just pause that for me. It goes on for some time. But what's happening in that clip is that the little boy is watching what's on the screen, and he's trying to imitate it. There was a famous racehorse. And suddenly, without any explanation at all, it developed a limp. They couldn't figure out what was going on with the horse. They had to stop it from running. And so they brought in the vets, the super vets. They did x-rays. They did everything going on that horse. And they couldn't determine why it had a limp. And then suddenly, it stopped limping. But what had happened is its trainer had gone on holiday. And when its trainer returned, the horse started to limp again. And when they observed the situation, they realized the trainer had a limp. And the horse had been imitating the trainer we are called to imitate Jesus. We are called to become more and more and more like him. But my question is, are we? Are we really pursuing him? 
Is he really making that difference in our lives? Or do we just turn up to church every Sunday and then we go back to how we normally are and people in our lives can't really tell that we're followers of Jesus? When we returned to Britain, we lived overseas for 18 years. And when we returned to Britain, a month later, we took our eldest son, our only son, back to the airport. And we put him on an aeroplane. We'd been overseas for ages as a family. We put him on an aeroplane, and he went to study at university. And there was a moment for us as a family when we were at the airport, and we didn't want to let him go. And each of the girls grabbed him like leeches. They wouldn't let him go. And we each had to say goodbye. And when my turn came, I brought him in, and I said, Jacob, if you forget everything I've ever taught you, if, you've, if you can't remember anything, just remember this one thing. And I go on to tell him what I think is the most important thing that he needs to remember as he goes about his life without his family. And I think Jesus had a similar moment. And I think we see it in John 15. He's just had the upper room, last supper experience. He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested, about to die. He's got precious moments left with his disciples. And as he's walking towards Gethsemane, about to say goodbye to them forever, or for a final time in the way that he's known them today, as he's about to come to that place, he walks through a vineyard. He says, guys, guys, come here. Do you see that vine there? Can you see it? Well, I am the vine. You are the branches. And by being connected to me, you bear fruit. But on your own, you're just a branch which will shrivel up and die. But by being connected to me, you produce fruit. In today's context, that's like Jesus walking through here and saying, guys, guys, come here, come here. Guys, come here. Do you see that light there? You are that light bulb. And when you are connected to the power, you transform a room. But on your own, you're just a glass bulb. I am the power. And I can bring transformation in your life. And I can turn this world around in and through you. But the only way that's ever going to happen is by you being connected to me. Do you really want to be connected to me. So here's the deal. For some of us today, we are living with the reality that we made a decision to follow Jesus. And we're not connected to the power source, not really. We're not really seeing real change in our lives. We're struggling to live out this way that Jesus calls us to live. And the truth of the matter is we have many people in our lives who we know very closely who probably don't even know that we're a Christian. And we can't pretend it. We can't mess around with Jesus. He says, I love you and I accept you and I call you as my own, but you need to stand up. You need to shine your light. This world around needs to see Jesus in and through you. We can't just turn up at a weekend and say, this is the deal for you, Jesus. This is all I give you. No, Jesus says, you've got to give me 24-7. And for some of us, we need to stand up and say, you know what? I am a follower of Jesus. And I am going to let the world see the light of Jesus in and through me because a 16-year-old boy had his fingernails ripped off for the sake of Jesus. He wasn't ashamed at all. And you and I, we will never face torture, imprisonment, or any other persecution. But he stood up and said, you know what? I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm going to give it all. And for each and every one of us in this room, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we need to stand up and we need to say, Jesus, you know what? I'm going to identify as your follower 24-7, wherever I am, whatever I do, this world needs to see you in and through me. Let me pray, if I may, and the band will come up. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us everlasting life. We thank you that you live in us. We thank you that you have given us life and life in all its fullness. We thank you that you take our burdens. We thank you that you give us power. We thank you that you have called us to be disciples, but Lord, help us 
to really learn the ways of you. And may we demonstrate you wherever we go, whatever we do, and may we stand up for you, and may we unashamedly declare you wherever we are in this world, and may all people around us know that we are followers of you. Lord, help us to become more like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.